This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is episode 30 and welcome. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Now, each and every episode, I do make sure to promote our website, richtakeonsports.com. And the reason being is so that you know where to go to find all of our information about the podcast from current episodes, previous episodes, a way to subscribe on any of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, they're all there. And you can also find us on iHeartRadio as well. So now let's jump right into the Rich Spotlight. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. This episode, our guest is Taylor Stern, social media coordinator for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. And prior to that, she was the marketing and communications manager for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Now, we caught up after week number two in the NFL. So this was prior to the firestorm created by President Trump's comments, the NFL protests, the flag, the anthem, all of that. But... One of the first things that I wanted to understand a little bit better is that her boss, her ultimate boss, Jerry Jones, and we know how opinionated he is, but why can't we get Jerry Jones on Twitter? Oh, he's so busy. He's running everything. He doesn't have time for Twitter. I mean, everyone's (laughs) tweeting about him, and he is very, very supportive of social media. Last season, when there were different social media issues with the NFL social policy and everything, Jerry stood on the table, even though, you know, he doesn't really participate in his own social media. He understands the value of it. So, hey, I, I don't think he, he even has time for Twitter, but I appreciate that he's always been very, very supportive of us. I mean, you know, we've been lucky to do Twitter Q&As with ownership, Charlotte Jones, Anderson, Stephen Jones, and of course, Jerry Jr. So, at least we have their support. You know, we'd love to have him on Twitter, but I don't think he has the time for it. <laughs> I can imagine he is obviously very busy. So now you've been involved in social media for a long time. You're born in that generation yeah. of social media, but you also have been impacted by sports. So how did sports become such a big part of your life? And what are some of the earliest memories you have of sports? Yeah, well, the earliest memories is I have a sister who is a singer, and she's been a singer since she was six years old. I have no musical talent. So when my parents were busy with my sister and kind of chasing her dreams, she's chasing them in Nashville. I was busy playing tennis with my grandfather, who was a longtime basketball coach and the head of the New Mexico Coaches Association growing up. So he is a huge Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame football is his bread and butter. And luckily, he took me under his wing, and I've kind of been a tomboy my whole life with him, watching games, learning coaches. Actually, 
probably my earliest memory of sports, and this is kind of an interesting one, is that every time Notre Dame got a new head coach, and for a little bit it was, you know, pretty frequent, I would get a new turtle and I would name it after the head coach. So fast forward 25 years now, it's funny to see that now I'm working in sports. I work with people like Zach Martin, who I covered his national championship game in, what was that, 2013? So it's kind of just sports has always been a part of my life and a lot to do with my grandfather, Bobby Gibbs. And so did you play a lot of sports as well growing up? Well, I'm only 5'4", and um, <laughs> I did not play that many sports, but I did play tennis up until high school. But I really didn't like sports for the competitive reasons. I mean, I like to work out and do all that myself, but I love sports because of the stories. And I'm sure that's kind of a cliche answer, but really, when I find sports, I'm so curious about these people who are willing to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym and shoot around basketballs just to get better, or, you know, why someone is so dedicated to football. You know, why do they want to play this game so strongly? So I'm really always fascinated with the stories behind it, and I think you said, you know, it impacts lives. It's really a parallel of life. So explain that. What, what do you mean by that? I think, you know, in sports, it's it's so interesting. I mean, a perfect example is what we're dealing with here at the Dallas Cowboys, just from week one to week two. You go from heroes on top of the mountain to low as low rock bottom after getting a loss like that to the Broncos. So I think that's life. You know, life throws curves at you and you have to figure out, okay, how can I overcome this adversity? How can I do this? And there's so many different parallels you can find in different sports that you can use to fuel and motivate you in your everyday life, whether you play them or not. So what are some of the things that you might have learned from your grandfather and spending time with him about you know, these life lessons? I think it was just the inspiration of he's, he's a guy who gave so much of himself to coaching and bettering other people. So I definitely took away the way that he treats people. Everyone had so much respect for him when I was growing up. You know, I remember I felt so proud to be around him when we would be at different sporting events, basketball tournaments, things like that. So the way you treat other people is probably the biggest lesson I've learned from him. And that's really how you see it in today's world. I mean, you know, Jason Witten, I am continually lucky to have had the opportunity to even work around him because there is not one person that I know that would have a few bad things to say about him. He's just... He's the ultimate pro, and really, I think it comes down to the way that he's treated people. You know, he gives everyone respect, whether they deserve it or not, and he's there to stand at his locker and take the questions after a hard loss, but he's also there to break records and do the touchdowns and everything when they need him. So, uh, you know, the way you treat people in this industry really is a huge thing that I think sometimes goes underrated. Yes, it is. And it's all about connecting with with people as well. And I know your yeah. story has been through connections in my life as well and, you know, where I am today. Yeah. So at the University of New Mexico, share with everyone just that journey that you went through and some of the people that you were connected with that helped you along getting into what you're doing now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Of course, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I loved it. And when it was time to go to college, you know, it's very expensive to go out of state, and luckily the University of New Mexico offers a great lottery scholarship that I was able to use. And so, you know, my parents, <laughs> they were not going to not let me work during college. 
And so I remember I called my grandfather and said, hey, can I just work at the Coach Association? Is there something there? And actually, he was like, well, why don't you actually reach out to the University of New Mexico Athletics Department? So I did that, and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you volunteer. So I volunteered in there every day that summer leading up to my freshman year. I ended up doing the SID work for the tennis team, helping with men's and women's basketball, doing football games, different things like that. Also got connected with some different people at the Mountain West, went out to their basketball tournament in Las Vegas, was able to volunteer. And then I started saying, okay, I have a dad who's a pilot. I can go anywhere. I don't mind making copies. I just need to meet people because I don't have ESPN and CBS and Fox Sports here every week like most SEC schools. And so, you know, not being in a Power 5 conference, I realized I need to get out there. So I started just emailing and connecting with different people and said, can I volunteer at the College World Series? Can I volunteer at the Rose Bowl at this national championship? Here, here, here. And people surprisingly let me. So uh, I was able to get a lot of different experience in different sports and different industries. And it ended up so that when I graduated, I'd worked so many different bowl games through my time in college that the Cotton Bowl was hiring and they're located in AT&T Stadium. So my first day after graduation of college, I was already looking to move to Dallas to work for the Cotton Bowl. And when I was here, you know, I was kind of doing that for the year. And then finally, I was moving on and I looked to work at the Dallas Cowboys. Here I am. I mean, three seasons later. Exactly. And now I've also heard in another interview that you had mentioned that you didn't make the cheerleading squad at University of New Mexico. Yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking about mentioning that or not, but yes, no, I didn't make the cheerleading squad. And after that, that was the reason my parents were like, "Okay, you have to get a job." And so <laughs> I realized that. And I mean, that was kind of a, a funny story because I was so determined to do that. I had played tennis up to my senior year in high school, and then one day, randomly, I decided. It was time for me to uh, to go try cheerleading. So you don't make the cheerleading squad. What did you learn about yourself during that time? Well, I remember I drove up with my mom and my sister, and we were driving up to the doors of the basketball arena where we had done the cheerleading tryouts. And if you saw your number, obviously you made it, and I didn't see my number. And I think I had tried to materialize it so much so, so I told everyone that, you know, I'm going to be a UNM cheerleader and all this stuff. And in my head, it was like, okay, if I put it out there, then it's going to come true because why would it not? If I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And that was kind of one of my bigger lessons is that it's not always going to go your way. And you see that a lot in sports. You see that especially when people think you're going to win and then you don't. So it was one of those times I really thought I was going to get this win and I didn't. And so I remember I came back, I locked myself in my bedroom, so melodramatic, and kind of picked myself back up and said, okay, you didn't do this one, not meant to be, and it wasn't meant to be, because I think if I had done cheerleading, I'm sure it would have been a great experience, but I wouldn't have gotten the work experience that I did. And so much so, you know, I came out of college with a job, and a lot of people don't do that right away. And so I really learned that hey, it's not going to always go as planned, but you have to have a better attitude and look to what you can get out of the new chapter that's being offered to you. For sure. So it did obviously help to be involved in all these internships, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it was it was kind of one of those things like, okay, that didn't work out, but at least I tried my hardest. You know, I was so determined. I was so 
focused on that, that that's kind of how I took the same focus into my career. You know, I was so focused to have success, to be there. I'm so competitive when it comes to my career that uh, it really fueled that chapter. So through that process, you had to ask a, a lot of people to be able to get involved and have this confidence of being okay with hearing no. So where did that confidence come from? Um, I just have parents who, and family and friends who really believe in me. I mean, I think that's as simple as it is. You know, I've never not thought I could do something. And I know that sounds silly and, and maybe a little arrogant, but when you put your mind to something and then you also have the backing of people that you love and care about, you can pretty much do anything. And I think that's really true because I've always had the confidence that I could do anything. You know, I'll talk to my dad and he'll be like, oh, you're going to be the, the head of that one day, you know, and he tells me this before I even think that. So sometimes it's confidence from other people that fuels your own confidence. And then so how was the process of going through the interview to be the social media coordinator for the Cowboys? I mean, this is America's team. Did you view it that way or did you view it that, hey, this is just another job opportunity for me? Yeah, it just was kind of, and I know that sounds silly, but it was just kind of another job opportunity for me. And I really don't think I've told a lot of people this, so maybe this is the first time I'm telling anyone this, but when I was applying for the job with the Dallas Cowboys, I also had another job interview with Notre Dame. And as I told you earlier, I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. So it was kind of this interesting dynamic for me because on one hand, it was like working for the Dallas Cowboys, staying in Dallas, what a, you know, chance to work in the NFL, all that different opportunity that laid there. And then on the other hand, it was, okay, Notre Dame athletics, something I grew up loving, staying in college football. What do you, what do you do? So it was a crossroads. However, I realized the opportunity that I really had with the Dallas Cowboys to stand above everyone else and the exposure you get just because of the brand and what I could do there. And it, seemed to be, okay, this is the fit. This is what I want right now. I want the challenge of the NFL. I want the challenge of, you know, the pressure that comes on the Dallas Cowboys. What type of pressures do you face in your job responsibilities? Well, I don't know if you saw the article that came out yesterday, but the Cowboys are the most most valuable franchise in the world. So that brings a lot of pressure. Of course. So if you're the most valuable franchise in the world, you better have some good digital and social content regardless of any outcome of any game. And I can't control that. So the pressures of always overcoming whatever is happening on the football team and then relaying that to social media. Of course. Speaking of that, how do you balance your job responsibilities in regards to like a situation that's obviously probably a lot of pressure too with the Ezekiel Elliott situation and knowing that you might have certain internal feelings and they might not be aligned with the company. Yeah. And I think that's wherever you work. I don't think that's just working in sports. I really don't. I think that there are people who deal with different things in any industry. I think you could look at my sister and she works in the music industry and people aren't perfect there either. And you look in different locker rooms around the league and people aren't perfect there either. And so realizing, Hey, I can only control what I can control. That's probably been the biggest lesson I've learned. And prior to Zegolia, I dealt with the Greg Hardy situation. That was probably the first time I really had to understand you can only control what you can control. 
So if other people are doing things that you don't agree with, you you can't change that. Even if you are so opposed to it, you really have no control over it. So realizing, hey, I understand this is a job. I'm a professional and I'm going to act accordingly kind of alleviates all of that stress. And you've also, uh, I've heard you talk about fake it until you make it. And I also, hey, I'm, I'm somewhat doing that as well with this podcast. So I get that whole concept, hey. right? Uh, but with that said, too, I mean, there is an aspect of, uh, you know, that will, can only carry you so far. I mean, you will eventually be called out yeah. if you're not putting in the time to, and preparing. So uh, how do you prepare for your job and the day-to-day activities and developing all of this content that you have to come up with? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fake it till you make it is definitely just a starting point. I think, you know, you're right. And then it's kind of what you do next that really matters. And what you do next is perception is reality. So say that you want to go into social media, well, then you better be researching everything you know about social media. And I try to do that day to day whenever I have a free moment. What's going on? What's the pulse? Those types of things really help. But um, as far as it goes, preparing day to day, you know, it's it's always different. And that's kind of why I like what I do because it's continually changing. But if you stay on top of it and know, hey, I'm going to do the best I can, say it be the podcast I have to host in an hour or cover for later today. I'm going to prepare as much as I can in as little as time as I can and then kind of exude what I can from that. So it really is just kind of, hey, make the most of what time you have, because a lot of times these day to day times, I'll have five minutes to prepare for a show or I'll have, you know, 10 minutes to think of a topic we need to discuss on cover four. So it's kind of like, hey, you need to have that foundation of hard work there. And then when you're on the go, you can really develop. And now, did you get that foundation of hard work from your parents? Oh, yeah. (laughs) My parents don't really just give out handouts. And I always, I guess I didn't appreciate that always, but now I do. And I always thank them now. Thank you for not doing that. Because um, it was what I just told you. They made me always have a job throughout high school, throughout college, uh, making sure that I was contributing to our family in one way or the other, whether it be you know, paying for different things I wanted to do or just kind of having activities on my resume that made it easier for me to get different scholarships. They've always preached the hard work. I mean, my mom was a high school teacher. My dad is a pilot. It's not been just kind of a life of luxury always. It's always been about, hey, you're going to get the things you like if you work hard enough. Now, do you have aspirations of going into different sports or staying in the NFL? I'm open-minded, but I really do enjoy the NFL right now. I think football is my bread and butter. And, you know, I, I love college football, of course, but NFL right now has just become such a passion of mine that I don't foresee it anytime soon. Now, what about basketball, though, since your grandfather was a high school basketball coach? Yeah, I love basketball, too. Um, you know, I grew up watching games at the pit, which is a pretty renowned college basketball arena. So I do love college basketball and, you know, the NBA obviously is so exciting and fun. But for right now, I just I enjoy football the most. But, yeah, of course, I love basketball. I grew up watching all of those guys and, I mean, worked with someone named Steve Alford, who's very well known in the college basketball community. Just a little bit. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so do you have an interest of being in front of the camera 
more than just doing social media? Like, what's your mindset? And I know, obviously, plans can change, but you've probably got to have some idea of what your goals are. And can you share those? Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, I'm just enjoying being so versatile, having the opportunity to do on camera, and then also do the kind of production back end of it with social media, and even producing most of our cover four shows, helping out there. So I enjoy the on camera work. I don't necessarily think that I'll continue to do that full time. But I definitely like the fact that I work somewhere where they're able to let me do a little bit of everything. So how is the balance between PR and social media? How does that or how do they work together? <laughs> well, it's kind of a sometimes parallel line, sometimes not so much. So <laughs> okay. I think the balance there is just making sure that you're putting out truth. And if you're putting out truth and facts, you can't really deny that. Now, necessarily, sometimes it still upsets people because, you know, some of those facts or different stories don't want to be released yet or still paint somebody in a bad picture. But if you're being honest to who you are and to what you're representing, I think that's kind of where you have to find that middle ground. And what about from a player perspective or any of the players ever asking you, hey, Taylor, can you help me out uh, getting better at Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat? <laughs> well, now most of them probably know more than me. So uh, <laughs> they don't ask me as much. I mean, I remember when I first started, Robert Turbin was a running back on our team. And he was like, here, here's the password to my Instagram. Will you just post pictures? And I was like, okay. So I did that at first. I, I don't do that anymore. Not because, you know, just no one needs me anymore. They have their own agents or they have their own marketing people. I remember last season before Dak even had the insane ride he did went on, all of a sudden it was one day he had just changed his Twitter handle to add Dak. And I was like, where did this come from? And he's like, oh, my marketing guy got it done for me. So they've got their own crews now, but I think they at least understand what I'm trying to do, which is really beneficial. Yeah. And so are you working in parallel with these agents and stuff, or is it you guys still s somewhat separated? You're more just Cowboys brand, not necessarily. Yeah, we're, we're pretty separated. We're pretty separated. I mean, of course, you meet them at different games or things like that, but you let them handle their own business. And, you know, they're so respectful and they understand that you have a job to do, too. So if you need them, they're usually pretty great about helping you out. Do you have a favorite Cowboy that you like following from a social media standpoint? Well, I mean, my favorite cowboy that I've been able to work with, obviously, is Jason Witten. Just awesome. He got on Instagram this past season. It's pretty funny when he did it, you know, saying, old dog learning new tricks. So he's pretty great. And obviously, when he shares something on social media, you know it has meaning to it. Of course, when he shared the Tony Romo letter, that was great. But as far as the day-to-day, -day, he's not really, you know, active. And of course, during the season, he, he slows that down a lot. But I guess I would have to say my new favorite person to follow has been Jalen Smith. I mean, his whole clear eye view mantra has really caught on to all of the Cowboys fans. And, you know, he shares different things with his brother being on the team and, you know, just kind of goofy time. So Jalen Smith is a great follow for all Cowboys fans. And so speaking of another mantra, finish this fight. Now, will that continue as you do player profiles as well? Oh, you know, that was such a incredible time to work here. I think out of everything I've ever done in my career, that has to be one of my proudest moments to be a part of that. And of course, 
hats off to Lindsey Draper and Kent Garrison, who I'm so lucky to have worked on that project with, and Derek Eagleton, my boss, who kind of steered everything in the right direction. But the finish this fight was such a series of fortunate events, really, because it happened all in 15 days. The videos did way better than we could have ever expected. Kind of, you know, it was already following the hashtag that had been there from the playoffs a couple of years before, but what it took on was this new life of, hey, this is individual fights and it all together creates the team fight. So, you know, maybe, I don't want to say for sure because maybe there will be something new and exciting to kind of try out or see, but I think people are always interested to really hear it from the player's perspective, and we really learned that through Finish This Fight. And during the season, I imagine something's always available Mm -hmm. from a content perspective. But now, what about the challenges, though, during the off-season? How was that different? Well, there really isn't an off-season in the NFL. And, you know, you finish the season and you're either going to the playoffs or you're going to the Senior Bowl or you're going to the Pro Bowl. And then there's Super Bowl in February. Then there's the Combine. Then you're getting ready for the draft. And that pretty much dominates uh, all of the spring and, of course, free agency. And then now you're getting ready for training camp. And then you have OTAs. And there's honestly not a downtime. Of course, you know, you have a few more weekends off than you did in the fall, but it's still it's still crazy content. And a lot of it, you know, is almost easier to create because you can live off either momentum from the last season or create hype for the new season. So I think, you know, off-season content isn't as hard as people would probably expect it to be because there's so much going on, and especially when you work for a team like the Dallas Cowboys that touches so many different things like the Star, Cowboys Fit, AT&T Stadium, you're continually working. Of course. And so speaking of that, just really no off-season, there's been some people that have hypothesized that some of the NFL ratings decrease can be attributed to this overexposure of the NFL. Do you feel that that's accurate? I don't think it's necessarily that it's overexposure. I just think that people are finding different avenues to watch their content. You know, people have such busy lives. I mean, you know, I joke with my mom all the time because I'll be like, hey, mom, have you seen Cover 4? We did like three episodes. She's like, honey, I'm so busy. I don't even have time to, you know, brush my teeth. (laughs) Yeah, and that's your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. She brushes her teeth. But I think that's what we're finding is that, you know, obviously live television does the best with sports because it's always going to be right there right now. But different avenues such as connected TV devices, which the Cowboys are brand new on, and one of the first NFL teams to actually do this and be successful at it so far. So, you know, we're exploring different avenues to get the content to fans. And, you know, we're talking about social media. Last season, you saw the NFL sign a deal with Twitter to actually watch Thursday night football games on Twitter. So I don't necessarily think it's the disengagement with the NFL because they feel like there's too much of it. I think they want so much of it, they want it from every which way they can get it. So I think it's kind of figuring out, okay, where are our fans? Are they on social media? Are they on connected TV devices? Where are they? Are they watching more on demand? Do they watch just highlights? What is it? So, no, I mean, the NFL does a great job. They're producing all of this because there's obviously a hunger for it. 
You know, I, I think there's a whole host of things that are going into this, what I actually call perceived decrease. I, I am in agreement with you. I think they're just watching it on so many different platforms or consuming the content on different platforms. So I know we're going to be needing to wrap up. I just want to circle back to the whole concept of sports and you never were a, you know, a division one player or this big time athlete or anything like that, but sports has been a huge part of your life. So can you sum up what sports means to you and your life right now? And you still have a long career to go. So can you just sum up the, the impact of sports so far? Wow, Rich, what a deep question to end it all. But uh, sports are everything to me. You know, I find so many answers to life in sports. So I really don't know how I can wrap it up in one sentence. But I think when it comes down to it, uh, the passion of sports continually inspires me to not only be a better person, but to work harder, to achieve more, to dream bigger. So I think sports is kind of the necessarily the foundation of how I look at every day. It's an interesting perspective that I lean on most times. And I'm just so grateful to work in an industry and to work in an organization that really fuels that passion of mine. So now the last thing, if I could just get you to think from a words of wisdom standpoint and almost picture mm-hmm. yourself in front of a mirror. I've got a 13-year-old daughter and just imagine yourself yeah. as, a, as a 13-year-old again. And just what would you tell yourself from words of wisdom that you would like to, you know, to convey to people? I have to think about that because I remember being that 13-year-old girl. And I'll tell you a story, Rich. And I don't know if this is necessarily words of wisdom, but it's a story I've never told anyone. I think I only shared it with my sister on Sunday. Growing up, I didn't know what job there was for me in sports. I knew what I wanted to do, but I never really kind of had a distinct title per se. And I think keep your keep your mind open is one thing, but then understand that you can be there. And I remember I was a junior in high school and I was watching television and Aaron Andrews was on. And of course, when, when I was growing up, she was really the only female broadcaster that was as visible as she was at the time. So I remember thinking, okay, she has a job I'd like. And, you know, my senior year, we graduate, I graduate high school and we go down to Nashville to go to the CMT Awards CMA Fest for my sister, who's a music. Well, at the time, Erin Andrews had just finished her season on Dancing with the Stars. And she's at the CMT Awards. Long story short, my sister and I randomly got passes to go onto the red carpet for the CMT Awards. Her and I are freaking out. We're seeing people like Faith Hill, all the musicians we grew up loving. Really special time for my sister, of course. Well, Aaron Andrews walks down the red carpet and I'm freaking out. Oh my, that's somebody I look up to. Oh my gosh. Takes a picture with me. Probably didn't even think about it. Fast forward to last Sunday. I'm on the sidelines, and Erin's always really gracious when she sees you. I mean, she's really busy pregame, so I try not to ever really bug her. But she comes up to me and goes, hey, I was just listening to Cover 4. You guys do a great job on that. Wow. You know, good topics to talk about. Used it in preparation for today. And I'm thinking in my head, she has no idea that the little 18-year-old me was freaking out with the opportunity to just take a picture with her. And here she's telling me that she saw a piece of my work and enjoyed it, it's kind of a full circle moment. And so I think, you know, here I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico, don't really have that many family and friends that are in the national sports industry. And I was able to get myself there, obviously, with the help and support of so many. But you really can 
go wherever you want to go. And it's going to take hard work and it's going to be a lot of rejection, but don't stop until you get there. And so having that moment really proved that to myself. Oh, what a great moment. And I will definitely pass that on to my daughter because she wants to be in sports broadcasting as well. Yeah. So I that, that is a fantastic story, Taylor. And thank you for sharing that. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I'm I'm so glad you're getting this started. I think, you know, this is just awesome. And your daughter can learn so much from you. So Little can I tell her, she's got a great role model herself. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not so sure at times, but thank you so much for your time, Taylor. And we definitely look forward to following the Dallas Cowboys and the social media content that you keep putting out there. Of course, Rich. Thank you so much. Well, I think it's pretty easy to see that Taylor does not take no for an answer and she's not afraid to hear the word no and hard work is in her DNA. And I know there's a lot of people out there that want to generalize that this next generation, they don't understand hard work. They don't want to put in the time, the effort. It's the microwave generation. They want things immediate. They don't understand the fundamentals, the basics. I don't think that's true with Taylor Stern. She is just the opposite of that. She has understood the basics. She has put in the hard work and she's willing to put herself out there because she has certain goals. And even though she might have not been a Division One athlete, this superstar athlete or whatever, sports has been a major part in her life. And just the aspect that her passion of sports continues to inspire her. And that's what I love. And she understands the stories around sports and how there's so many life lessons that can be learned from sports. And we know that social media is not going away and it's being integrated in our everyday lives. And it's great that she can integrate her passion of sports with a job and career opportunity in social media. So I'm looking forward to what's coming up next for her and is truly an opportunity for my daughter, my 13-year-old, to see somebody that she can look up to in Taylor because Taylor had looked up to other people as well. And so, and that's how life continues to work and how we connect with people. So I'm excited to follow Taylor and I hope you do too. And again, you can follow her on Twitter at Tay Stern. Well, let's move on with this episode into the weekly Words of Wisdom. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Let's explore the weekly words of wisdom. Our words this episode come from a very profound individual and even though that's a short, simple words of wisdom, it's very profound, just like he is, and that's Albert Einstein. And his quote is talking about what I mentioned several times is that we need to keep moving forward and the premise that if you continue to move forward, then you're not going to be in a rut and looking behind. And his quote is, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. And it's so simple, but it's so accurate. And it's something that I try to incorporate into my life each and every day is that we've got to keep moving forward one step at a time. Yes, there'll be bumps. Yes, there'll be times when we're going to be down, but just keep moving forward and it will even out and it will balance out as well. Well, that wraps up episode 30. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. 
You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening. 